0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, it's my pleasure to share today. And I want to do three things. The first is I want to read of a fantastic gospel encounter, although it's from the book of Acts, but uh, we'll read that in a moment. And then, secondly, I want to outline for you our plans for how our church, how our fantastic church will begin to regather over the next few months. And then, Thirdly, we're going to look at some wonderful truths in the scriptures that have the potential, uh, and I don't mean to overstate this or to exaggerate this, but honestly believe have the potential to be game-changing for our church, to be really redefining for us. So I'm excited to share those things. But let's just get straight into this uh, superb gospel encounter, and it's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. In the, in the lead up to this story, the Apostle Peter has been in a place called Joppa, where he has raised from the dead, where the, the power of God has raised from the dead, a woman called Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. And Peter stayed in this town called Joppa. And meanwhile, a Roman centurion in a town called Caesarea has uh, had an angelic visitation, Has a, had, a, had a vision in which an angel appeared to him and told him to send some men to bring Peter to Joppa so that Cornelius and his family can hear the good news. Peter, meanwhile, is praying on the roof. Some of you will know this story. Has a has a remarkable vision of, of, um, of a sheep being lowered with all kinds of strange foods in it. And the Lord tells him that there's nothing that God has made clean that Peter's to consider unclean. And Peter understands that's a, that's a trigger point to to release him to take the gospel into the Gentile community. So we're going to pick the story up in verse 24 and read to the end of the chapter. It's, it's a long reading, but it's a fantastic story. So, so bear with me. And, and children, if you, can, if you can follow this as well, um, then you'll be so blessed with this story. It says, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him, but Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should, not, should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. "'So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. "'Now tell me why you sent for me?' "'And Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house "'about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, "'and suddenly a man in dazzling clothes "'was standing in front of me, and he told me, "'Cornelius, your prayer has been heard "'and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. "'Now send messengers to Joppa "'and summon a man named Simon Peter.' He's staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. There they were in Cornelius' home, his household, his relatives, his family, his friends. They were all gathered in the home waiting for something to happen. And Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. And then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He's the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asked, can anyone object to these being baptised now they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ and afterwards Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days." It's a fantastic story, isn't it? Peter using the keys of the kingdom that Jesus had given him in Matthew 16 to open a door for the Gentile community to begin coming to Christ. And in this house, amongst this household, there is salvation, there is forgiveness, there is peace, there is the baptism in the Spirit, there is the gift of tongues, and there is baptism in water. It's a fantastic story, and we'll return to it in just a moment. Let me say something about our, our plans to regather our church. We, we don't have certainty at the moment, but in the absence of certainty, we can have clarity. And here is our clear plan. In this, I, I want to talk about three, three phases, I suppose, really. The first phase, this present phase that we're in, which we imagine will be throughout the summer and into the early autumn, we're not allowed to, uh, to gather with more than two households together in a home, and we can't meaningfully gather here in our building. We can't sing together. So we are encouraging you in this time to gather two households together in homes, enjoy Sunday mornings together. And I know many people, according to the messages being sent, many people are doing that this morning, and we encourage that. And then in the, the next phase, the second phase of things, which we imagine will be the autumn probably up to Christmas, maybe, maybe earlier, we hope it's earlier. But imagining that sort of, that phase of time, we're going to encourage you as, as restrictions are released, as we uh, as, are uh, relaxed, as we anticipate, that then more than two households begin to meet together. We meet in our homes with maybe three, four or five households together, families together, all generations together, Uh, in localities around our region, so in different localities, and probably have uh, maybe 25 house churches meeting on Sunday mornings with those families, those generations present together. Also, during that, that, that next phase, that middle phase of things, that we have different age groups meeting occasionally on Sundays all together here in our centralized facilities where we can gather from across the congregations so that in that phase, perhaps all the 20-somethings meet on one Sunday. All the 30, 40-somethings meet on another Sunday. All the older members meet on other Sundays. So that people are meeting here with others, enjoying, being together, celebrating together, whilst the rest of the church are meeting in their houses. And then in the third phase, when things are relaxed, possibly in the new year, who knows, when we can sing together again, when we can gather meaningfully together, we will do so and it will be fantastic. But also in that phase, we want to consider, are there other ways that we can use Sundays more effectively? And perhaps that will mean some of the house churches, maybe once a month, each house church also meets on those Sundays. So there's some detailed planning there, and we'll let you know some of those things over these coming weeks. But that's how we're seeing things. And And also, of course, during that time, other things are happening. Life groups are meeting on Zoom. The youth are meeting every fortnight. And um, we're developing some fantastic teaching material that we can use online to bring people into the church and to train and to disciple people. So there's lots happening. But it's really vital that we don't, in this time, until we can all regather together, that we don't somehow pause and wait for something that's not yet happened. I believe this is really important. There's so much happening. Things are being shifted on earth and in heaven. Invisible and visible things are taking place. There's a, there's a real hunger for God. There's, there's a, 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 an eagerness to know him, and this is most definitely not a time for any of us, physically or mentally, to be on pause to be waiting for something to happen. It's not a time to wait. It's not a time to be treading water and making no progress. Mm -hmm. That's not how we should be thinking. Jesus clearly told us, the harvest is now, here and now. And our life and our mission is here and now. We're not on hold in any way until the autumn. And we mustn't allow an enemy to put that kind of thinking into our minds to add to everything else he's trying to do at this time. So let's get stuck in and be sure we're not on pause, we're not waiting for anything to happen. Now let's turn to the, the word again, because it's clear that in these times, in these next seasons, our gatherings in homes will be a vital expression yes. of our church and our family. And whether that's uh, you with some friends around, or meeting in small groups as I've described, or when our house church gatherings can start, um, those times in our homes are going to be really significant. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to know this. He's with us in this. Mm -hmm. He's passionate about this. In fact, he's urging us. He's pushing us, as it were, into this. There's nothing more biblical than the church gathering in a home. And there's no setting more suitable, more conducive, to the Holy Spirit moving amongst us than your front room. I wonder if you could just have a look around your front room right now. Have a look around your front room. Have a look at the chairs. Maybe they're occupied. Maybe they're empty at the moment. There is no place more suitable or conducive to the Holy Spirit being at work than in your home and in your front room. And and I just want to encourage the, the children in a moment to take note of some things we're going to read about in the scriptures that happen in people's homes. And to ask yourself, families at home together, ask yourself, could this happen in our home? Could this happen in our home? What we're gonna do is is read, Luke says that he, um, he wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And he did so having undertaken some really careful research. These are true things that Luke writes about. And I want us to just, I want you to come with me on a fantastic journey as we literally turn the pages through Luke and Acts and have a look at some things that, if we can embrace this, are absolute game changers for us. We'll begin in Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. We're not going to read all these, but I will re- reference them so that you can look later. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 uh, Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And she goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth, and she goes into Elizabeth's home. And as she enters the home and gives Elizabeth her greeting, it says the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It just seems to me like a wonderful sort of indicator, signal of what can happen in our homes. In Luke chapter 4, verse 38, we read that Jesus goes into Simon Peter's home in Capernaum, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a high fever, and Jesus goes and heals her. And then in the evening heals everybody who comes to that home who is sick or demonised. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus is in a crowded house, and the power of the Lord is present to heal. And some faith-filled friends bring their paralysed friend uh, and they lower. They make a hole in the roof and they lower him through the roof in front of Jesus. And Jesus uh, forgives him totally and then heals him totally. Yeah. And it says, everybody in that house was amazed and awestruck. Yeah. I want to ask you, could that happen in your home? Maybe without the roof repairs? Could that happen in your home? After that in Luke 5, there's a banquet held, held in Levi's home. Levi the tax collector, Matthew. And it says Jesus ate with the tax collectors and sinners just enjoyed a meal with them. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is having dinner with a a, a Pharisee named Simon in his house. And a sinful woman comes in, a prostitute, and she breaks open an alabaster jar and and she pours this perfume all over Jesus' feet and she she wipes it with a hair. And it says the fragrance, the fragrance of this perfume, the fragrance of this extravagant act of worship fills the room, fills the house where they are. And Jesus forgives her sins and sends her away in peace. Could that happen in your home? In Luke 8, Jesus goes to Jairus' house and he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead in the house. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12. He gives them power and authority. He instructs them to preach to heal to heal, to drive out demons, to go from village to village, and to stay from house to house. Then again, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70 into abundant harvest field, and he instructs them to go with peace into people's homes. Then again, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes to Martha's house, where her sister Mary sits peacefully at the feet of Jesus, just absorbing all that he's saying, all that he's teaching. Could that happen in your home? In Luke 14, Jesus goes into the home of a prominent Pharisee to have a meal on the Sabbath and heals a man whose body is swollen with fluid. In Luke 19, Jesus invites himself into the home of Zacchaeus. Just watch out, Jesus might invite himself into your home. And Zacchaeus repents of his sin and Jesus declares, listen to this, today salvation has come to this house. In Luke 22, a house is the venue for the Last Supper where Jesus shares bread and wine and announces a new covenant. Mm -hmm. Then into Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, the disciples are united in prayer in a house in Jerusalem. We could unite in prayer in our houses, couldn't we? In um, Acts chapter 2, please turn there. Let's just read these so familiar verses again. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house, filled the whole house where they were staying and tongues like flames of fire were divided and appeared and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them this ability for speech. In um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it tells us that the new church of 3,000 and more people ate their meals and broke bread from house to house. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles teach every day in the temple complex and from house to house. In Acts chapter 8, hope you're keeping up, Saul tries to destroy the church, how? By going from house to house. But after his dramatic conversion in Acts chapter 9, he receives his apostolic commission. He's baptised in the spirit where? In the house of Judas on Straight Street. Meanwhile, in Acts chapter 9, Peter goes to Tabitha's house and raises her from the dead. Then in Acts chapter 10, which we read about, Simon Peter again receives this powerful vision while he's in the house of Simon the Tanner. And the gospel begins to invade and transform the Gentile community, beginning in the house and with the household and the family of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 12, the church is gathered together in Mary's house to pray for Peter to be released from jail and their prayers are answered. In Acts chapter 16, turn with this one to me, please. Let's just read this together. Acts 16, verse 14, it says, There was a woman, um, this is in, in Philippi, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Theotira, who worshipped the, worshipped God. She was listening. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. And after she and her household were baptised... She urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And they stayed there for a while and the Philippian church was was planted, was birthed there. Then in in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and onwards, Paul and Silas are miraculously freed from jail. And the jailer's whole family, his wife and children, are saved and baptised and they all eat together in his house. In Acts 18, the Corinthian church is started and established in the house of uh, Titius Justus. Again in Acts 18, Priscilla and Aquila take Apollos into their home to explain the scriptures to him. This apostle receives revelation in their home. Mm -hmm. We're nearly there. You're doing great. In Acts 20, Paul meets the church at Troas to break bread in someone's home. But unfortunately, a man named Eutychus falls out of the window and dies. And Paul goes down and raises him from the dead and they continue their meeting until the morning in the home. I'd love to see that, wouldn't you? Well, the second half of it at least. In Acts 20 again, Paul meets the Ephesian elders and he reminds them that he taught them from house to house. Friends, the Lord is saying something to us here. Yes. In Acts 21, Paul and his companions stay and rest and recharge in, Syria, in Caesarea in the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. And in Acts 28, uh, right at the end of the book of Acts, Paul goes to Publius's house in Malta, on the island of Malta, and lays hands on a man who's suffering from a fever and he's healed and then all the sick on the island gather and all are cured. And finally, the very final verses of acts 28 the end of this incredible story that Luke's tells us Luke tells us we read that Paul verse 30 Paul stayed 2 years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who came to visit him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and without hindrance Good. Paul finishes the book of acts in his house yeah. in Rome It's an amazing story. I hope you are as stirred with that as I have been in in looking at those scriptures over the last few days. How How do we summarize that story? How do we, what lessons do we take from it? And what does the Holy Spirit want to say to us about our next season? I believe firstly, we need to understand that the overwhelming biblical evidence is that the principal meeting place of the New Testament church was their homes. They met simply, or they simply met, from house to house. The home is the most important strategic gathering place. There is no other setting which comes anywhere close. In fact, you rarely read, we rarely read of any other places where the church met. Mm -hmm. Pentecost happens in a house. The Gentile conversion happens in a house. Paul's commission takes place in a house. The New Testament churches were started in houses. The great commission is fulfilled as Jesus' followers go from village to village and house to house. And when the church meets in the house, it is, she is in every way In every respect, she is the glorious, beautiful church of Jesus Christ. God's masterpiece. In in all her fullness, with all her potential. Several scriptures talk about the church in the home. In other words, folks, the church is expressed and seen in the home. And when it is, it is not a smaller or lesser or, or less potent, or, or in any way inferior version of the so-called real church. It's the church meeting in the home. The church is the church wherever she's expressed, and never more so than when we meet in our homes. She's never The, the meeting in the home is never some kind of inferior kind of meeting place never less significant than our gatherings in any larger context, far from it. Therefore, in the houses and in the homes of Jesus, we find the following, and we read about all of these things. We find healings in the houses, in the homes, perhaps in your house, in your home. Look around your living room again. Look around that front room and just start to believe that these things can and will happen in your home, in our homes, especially over this coming season. In these stories, we find healings. We find deliverance. We find forgiveness. We find salvation. We find amazement and awe. We have meals where Jesus is the honoured guest. We have generations together. We have extravagant worship and prayer. We have church plants We have teaching and explanation of the scriptures. We find people receive peace. We find disciples are made. We find bread and wine shared. We find the baptism in the spirit. We find baptisms in water. We find resurrections and visions and angelic visitations and strategic breakthroughs and commissionings. In fact, I can't think of a Holy Spirit activity that doesn't take place in people's homes. The house is the place of encounter and breakthrough and transformation. Why? Because Jesus promised whenever two or three gather around his name, he's amongst us. The New Testament church grew and multiplied rapidly. Several scriptures say that say that people were added to them every day. And turned the world upside down, Acts 17 verse 6 says, the New Testament church grew every day and turned the world upside down and they did it all using their homes. Yeah. There wasn't a church building in sight. Yeah. Now let's just pause and take that in. Tens of thousands of believers, maybe hundreds of thousands, thousands. In all the major cities, right across Europe, without a church building in sight, the house is the expected frontier of kingdom advance. Luke 9, Luke 10, Jesus sends them to go from house to house. The glory of God will fill the earth, will cover the earth from house to house. And I love that so many of the houses that we read about aren't anonymous. It's real, it's personal, it's, it's real people. The kingdom is established in people's homes Simon Peter's, Levi's, Simeon, uh, Simon the Pharisee's, Jairus's, Martha's, Zacchaeus's, Simon the Tanner's, Cornelius's, Tabitha's, Mary's, Lydia's, Priscilla and Aquila's, Judas's, Philip's, Publius's, Paul's, and thousands of others, I'm sure. God knows your house. God knows where you live. God knows where we live. And the Holy Spirit is ready to occupy our front rooms. So, let me pull this together. As we're embarking on a new season, this is a time for Living Rock Church to be expressed from town to town, from village to village, and from house to house. Are we trying to replicate the early church? No. That would be to impose another culture on our own. We're not trying to do that. Are we abandoning our building and our centralized gatherings? Of course not. They have a vital part to play in our mission. But we must also recover the power and the potential of our homes. And this next season will enable us to do just that. So as we meet in our one-to-ones, when our friends come around or, or when two households are meeting together on a Sunday as they can at the moment, or in this next middle phase I've described where we, where we try and uh, pull house churches together in different localities. We, how must we approach things in this next season, these next seasons? Let me finish with three simple, practical actions that all of us can take. The first is I I encourage you to stir faith and great expectation, to think big, really big, knowing that it's not a time to pause or to wait for something else. Houses are not inferior, temporary meeting places, not a substitute for something else. But Jesus is present by his spirit. And all those things we read about, all those things we read about, can happen in our homes. Let's think big, let's stir faith and expectation. And then secondly, let's gather around Jesus, the honored guest, and let's let our worship, the fragrance of our worship, fill the house. And let's expect his presence, let's expect that his Holy Spirit will fill the house. And let's pray together and enjoy the online content that we will be continuing to send into the homes. And let's break bread and share meals together and involve our children and hear God through them and invite our friends to join in if that's appropriate. And then thirdly, let's be strong and brave and courageous. What do I mean by that? I mean, as we meet in our homes, Let's really embrace the fact that we are, what the Bible calls, a priesthood of all believers. When we gather together, everybody has something to bring. Dads, lead your families without embarrassment in the home. Mums and dads, set an example for our children. Children, know that you have a vital part to play in all of this. Obey the Holy Spirit's nudges. Let's pray for any who are sick amongst us. Let's move in gifts of the Spirit. Let's see him respond. Let's enjoy his presence together. This is going to be an amazing, thrilling several months together. And when we regather, it's going to be fantastic. And I'm praying that we will, we will regather stronger, clearer, and bigger than ever before. I'd like us to pray together. And if you're with others in your home, it would be great at this point if we could stand together. We're standing together here in, here in the upper room. I wonder if Rich, would you just come and join me here, Rich? Stand with me. Benj. We just want to pray that in this time, Ho- Holy Spirit, you will make yourself at home in our homes as we give this next season to gathering in twos or threes or in, in two or three families together, in our homes, in, across the region, in different localities, we pray, Lord Jesus, this will be the most thrilling, exciting time in which you're honoured. Lord, we ask for your presence in every home. We ask for your peace in every place. We pray that your power will be manifest in all our front rooms, all our living rooms, in in and around our kitchen areas as we gather in your presence. We're not waiting, we're not on hold, we're not pausing while something else is, is coming about, Lord. We are here in this time, here in this time to make the most of everything you've got for us right now, knowing this season is being used by you to redefine your church and we pray you'll find us malleable and flexible and ready to respond to you Lord Lord right now we pray into every home we pray into every home Lord that this season will refresh us and even redefine us in every way Lord Amen Amen Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.